Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everyone? It's me again. Just wanted to drop you a reminder that this is part two of our pitching conversation about the bullpen. If you're looking for part one, you'll find that in the last episode. So go ahead and check that out if you haven't. All right, I'm done talking. Here's part two. And we're back. All right, so now we are going to talk about my personal favorite part. I don't know why I love the bullpen so much. I love standing out at Safeco and, like, joking around with the guys in the pen. You know, I love that they can be loose for the first part of the game and then just totally locked in. I would love to be a bullpen pitcher. If I was <laughs> if I was in baseball, that is the job. I would like to be the, the loogie because I could do that with my left hand. Um... And I think we've got a pretty fun we've got we've got a pretty fun selection of guys who are pretty much locks and then a lot of interesting candidates to to talk about. So, let's start off with talking about the closer, obviously. Talk about I almost called him Electric Eddie D. Someone killed oh, me. Oh no, you didn't. I <laughs> No. I really am not having my best moment. I'm going to catch some internet hands. I'm going to catch some Jose hands because I think Jose hates that that nickname more than any of the rest of us. Absolutely. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Why? Why Why do you hate it so much? It's just, I mean, it's not because Sims came up with it. I I know a lot of people don't like it because of that, but (laughs) it's just really boring and generic. Yeah, like it's just it's just easy. Like he he probably just came up with it on the top of his head. I think it's annoying because he came with a nickname. He's got a nickname. He's Sugar. Yeah, he wants sugar. to be Sugar. Yeah. Like why can't we just call him Sugar? That's right. He hashtags it on every tweet on every Instagram post. <laughs> he literally does do that, and it's yeah. his 
friends call him that back in the, you know, what's really cool to see about Diaz and this is off topic a little bit, but, um, just how much his city loves him and how much Puerto Rico loves him and how proud they are of him. And I know Jose, this, this is close to your heart. Yeah. That's, that's exactly why I, I have like a, a big love for him. Um, because we're very proud people. Uh, we love our, our baseball players. So the fact that he was able to come up on my favorite team, being from Puerto Rico, um, it's a pretty big deal, um, especially the, for the fact that, well, until recently, Puerto Rico has kind of fallen off the map for baseball players mm-hmm. um, compared to the heyday back in like the, the late 90s and the early 2000s. Um, so it was just nice to see him come through and and really light it up. I mean, just, I mean, okay, uh, he was electric. <laughs> um, <laughs> And he, and he really injected yes. some energy in, into the team and to the fan, the fan base as well. Um, so it was just it was just very, very cool to see. Very cool. Um, let's talk about the actual pitching part of it, though. Is So I believe that Steamer has him for less war than he put up this year, uh, which is confusing to me because I would think he would only get better. But I... I don't have the exact numbers in front of me anymore, but I think it was like 1.9 versus 1.7 or something like yeah. that. That's, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do we think that's fair, accurate? What are you expecting from him next season? I think it's uh, their projections certainly, I think, take into account that he, after having an extraordinary you know, strikeout rate all the way up through the minors, suddenly was striking out four more people than he'd ever struck out in his life, um, essentially, and, and for a while was on a essentially a historic pace, I believe. He was hovering around 20k per nine for a while, which, you know, in that first stretch when he first came up. Um, his style of pitching, which involves essentially two pitches, which is completely fine if you're a closer and you have two really good pitches, um, is totally fine, you know, the, the high-velocity fastball and the extremely devastating slider that is about 12 miles per hour slower. Um, it's unfair. Which, yeah, it's, it's, it's comical. It's essentially, his pitches, in terms of their speed, are Fernando Rodney's, but if Fernando Rodney actually had a clue about where it was going, <laughs> right. you know, it's... it's Fernando Rodney threw 96-97 with a two-seam movement and then a changeup that just fell to the ground. Um, Edwin Diaz does that, but a slider that dives away from righties, and even if he misses, it's usually going to be enough. I remember when he was pitching, you know, I think in that Cubs series, he threw three pitches right down the middle to Dexter Fowler, and Dexter Fowler swung and missed all of them. <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> it's, it's so... He has the room. He has room for error, um, and if he continues living with that room for error that we occasionally saw him get into trouble with last year, he may be around what they're projecting. But if he does improve and does inc- increase that accuracy and that precision, he's one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. Yeah, I agree. I I, I thought. Uh, last year, when he when he got into those uh, situations where he was struggling, I thought it was interesting to see him turn to his slider more often Absolutely. than his in his fastball. Um, that's <laughs> it shows a lot of confidence in that pitch, and I think that goes a long way. Um, uh, and I I, th- I think 
last year he was also dealing with some fatigue as well. I mean, yeah, he was sure. up there with 90, 90 innings uh, for the season. And, um, yeah, I mean, he was a starter in the minors for his, earlier in his career, but yeah. I, I think he was still tired, and I think we saw that a lot. And that's what uh, Sotomayor had said that on the uh, the Hot Soul podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, that he got really tired towards the end of the year, and he didn't tell anybody. Like, prideful. Pride. Yeah, really, really <laughs> prideful guy, and yeah. uh, that that affected him. I mean, and he still wasn't that bad, but his controller command wasn't where it was when he first showed up. I mean, imagine right. going from wiping out double-A guys to who have never seen anything like you um, to having to go up against Mike Trout and you know there's a that's a pretty steep jump. Yeah. And his his um his other issue well, not his issue, but with last year the issue was in addition to you know that he wouldn't say that he was tired, which is not an uncommon thing for a baseball player or a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. But it's not like we had anyone else that we could go to. And and I think Oh yeah, we were not going back to Seashack. Right, you know, so I'm I I like Steve Ciszek. I think he's a good player. I mean, we all do, but I think we really were in a place, especially you know when Altavilla was not yet fully being trusted, and mm-hmm. um, when Ciszek was sort of still working his way back, where it was, well, we have a bunch of starters that can't get deep into games, and we have an incredible fire breather at the end of the bullpen and nothing in between. <laughs> and so our our team was almost as poorly constructed as you could design it. You know, you you can have a bunch of acceptable starting pitchers that are innings eaters if you funnel if you're there always just funneling towards this sort of dragon's den again. <laughs> you know, you saw that that was what the Orioles had last year where they had right, or, or, mm-hmm. or the Royals in 2015. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Where, you know, you can get by with mediocrity as long as you have these aces at the end. Um, and that's where, you know, I'm not in love with closer roles. I advocate for a all-reliever, uh, you know, pitching staff. But um, you can get by with that. And that's, I think, what essentially DePoto and the Mariners have decided they're going to do or what is most reasonable for them to do. And it's really exciting and interesting to see that gamble there was a lot of talk in the off season and i think it was just idle chatter like jerry hadn't made a trade for like three days and we were bored <laughs> um but you know we saw these insane prices being fetched for closers uh such a hot market for closers and there was a little bit of, of talk that cropped up here and there about trading diaz has that ever appealed to any of the three of you and do you think that the team would be would have been well served by it? I certainly thought about it. Um, I don't know where you guys fall on the spectrum. I think it would have been a very reasonable thing to do. You had him maybe certainly not necessarily at the peak of his value, but at what could be the peak of his value with tons of club control and all of this potential and with how much money you saw Jensen getting and you saw Chapman and all of these elite relievers getting, the return could have been sizable. Yeah, we, we saw this with Carson Smith, right? We Jerry traded Carson Smith at the height of his value 
And and the return yeah. <laughs> wasn't that great though, right? That's true. Like Wade Miley was I mean, he looked good on paper and and he was cheap and but it just never worked out and He also came with the recently DFA Jonathan Aro, who also was not very good. Rest in peace. R. Uh, Jonathan Aro. <laughs> Jose, what, what did you ever think about trading Edwin? Uh Yes and no. Um, kind of like I mentioned earlier, um, I really like the guy um, personally, so I would not want to see him get traded. But it makes sense, you know, especially yeah. like you said, the market was so high on relief pitching this off season. They'd be remiss not to look at that and consider it uh, to see what kind of return they would get. Um, so I get it. If they did it, I would be disappointed, but I would totally get why they did it. But I think if they did trade him, I think we'd have to get some win now players back, and I, yeah. I don't think that's where the market was. Yeah. Um, and and I, ultimately, I'm glad that we kept him. I think he's a he's a great great um, piece on our team. I think he's going to be an excellent closer, and so yeah, I, I think it all worked out in the end. And and that kind of goes to what I, Jerry actually said today during the uh, media luncheon, was all the trades that they made this off season was. Uh, major league players for major major league players or minor league players for minor league players. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because they are in that win now mindset. Yeah. But um, also so he, he is really focused sense. on not giving up that youth core. And um, I mean, this might transition into talking a little bit about someone else in the bullpen, but I was convinced that we were going to trade Dan Altavilla. First of all, because he is my favorite and Jerry has a history of trading my favorites and breaking my heart. <laughs> But also, I just, I thought, you know, here's a guy who hasn't shown anything much yet. He's right-handed, and our pen desperately needs lefties. Um, You know, I just, I didn't really see us getting through the season and not trading him. Similarly, I think, uh, I think we kicked around the idea of Tyler O'Neill in trades a bunch of times. You know, he talk about the height of his value. I don't know that there's anything more he could have done in what he did in the Southern League and what he did in the AFL to just really his stars at such a rise. You almost wonder if it'd ever be higher before he actually steps on the major league field. So, but but he didn't trade him either. So it definitely seems like Jerry is committed to developing, building, and developing a youth core that will serve us for many years. Yeah, this is this is kind of a tangent, but I remember seeing Jerry talk about uh, how he's he's always building a winner. Uh, he's always in win-now mode, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, we think about the cliff that this team's on with, with Cano and Cruz and Felix getting up there in age. And and what Jerry's really trying to do is, is building the sustainable club that that has a youth core that's moving up as the veterans are moving out right and and uh so he's he's that takes a lot of work to to, to cultivate that kind of a team and it, it involves keeping players like altavilla or o'neill or diaz and and not trading them away to to sell out for one year well the other reason i did not want to trade uh, Edwin Diaz was I am not ready to go back to the Steve Ciszek closer experience um, who I love and I love him even more in a setup role I love him eighth inning I think that it might fit his personality a little bit better Diaz seems to me to be cut and I maybe this is 
hopelessly old-fashioned talking, but um, (laughs) Diaz just seems to me to be a closer. Like, he has the mentality, he has the fire, he has that, he has this perfect mix of being, like, super, super intense and also just, like, really playful and laughing, and it really irritates. Remember how mad Cole Calhoun got at him? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because Diaz was just up there laughing and having fun. Like, he just stays loose, and I think especially Cole Calhoun, who's like a grinder guy, like, he hated that. sounds like it's cut out of stone. Yeah, Cole Cole Calhoun. I mean, he almost sounds like he should be like a a wrestler or something, right? (laughs) Uh, And that just, I loved, I don't think I loved anything more than just Diaz just laughing at it because he he has this mindset and he has this ability and he doesn't get shaken and I love Cishek but I really think that just personality wise and I'm I'm worried that people have kind of figured his stuff out and it's a great pace change of pace like let's say we have Miranda working as long reliever and then you have Cishek for a little while so you're going from like 97 down to like high 70s with that funky arm angle, and then you bring in Diaz. I mean, that's that's killer. It's brutal. Maybe you mix Altavilla in there too with the high ninety. I mean, that's that is wicked. That's before you even get to Shea Simmons, who's got mm-hmm. his own brand of funkiness. That yep. if he's healthy. And Zick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on. Well, and and we will. and Scribner too, right? Mm-hmm. Scribner is. Just really seems to have the swing and miss stuff, and the control, right? Like, yeah, just does not give up walks at all. No. I mean, it's almost like Evan Scribner was created in a lab to satisfy Jerry Depoto. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, he's just perfect. Except he has that itty bitty problem with the with the Homer. Well, not yeah, last year. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Not last year. Not Literally, year. not last year. <laughs> Yeah, did, was, did he give up a single one? No, he did not. That was no. the thing. He gave up a, a sweet, zero, cool 0%. <laughs> that 100% left on base rate is not bad at all, Evan. Well, I mean, we're, we're working with a pretty small sample size on that, right? Cause he spent, it's a good 14 innings. Yeah. So he spent a lot of the year hurt. But, man, sure. in those 14 innings, was he not just absolutely a pleasure to watch? So it was what do you think about is is which version of Scribner are we going to get next year? I I think he'll give up a homer. Uh, <laughs> that's my that's my bold that's my hot take <laughs> for the evening. Uh, that's, my, that's my Keystone inspired confidence uh, <laughs> statement. Uh, but I mean everything that you saw from him looked like he was a healthy, uh, a solid version of himself. You know he was striking people out. He was not walking anyone. Um, you know, even in the year where he just had such a terrible time with the A's, he almost literally didn't walk anyone. I think he had a point six, you know, walks per nine. Like that's absurd. That's nuts. Um, and so I, we keep saying it: every every single pitcher on this staff is going to benefit from the massive jump in defense, and um, someone like Scribner who just lives in the zone and lives on the edges is going to find his sort of range of success widened and his and his room for his margin for error widened uh by the uh the existence of Gerard Dyson and Mitch Haniger in place of Nelson Cruz and 
Nori Aoki and Seth Smith. Right, and when you, when you think about like all the different roles in a bullpen and all these different situations that pitchers get thrown into, I think Evan Scribner is like is like the prime candidate for the clean inning, right? Like mm-hmm. you bring him in in the seventh at the, mm-hmm. in, the, in the seventh inning, mm-hmm. he's not going to walk anyone, and if he mm-hmm. gives up a home run, it'll be a solo shot, right? Like, <laughs> very true. Yeah, he's 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 not going to clean up any anyone else's mess, but he's going to give you a clean inning, and I sure. think that's that's really really um, crucial. It's a crucial role for the bullpen to have. Well, if we're talking then about uh, people we have acquired from the Oakland A's. Perhaps let us talk about new reliever Mark Zipchinski. Who's is that how you pronounce? Is that how you name? pronounce it? <laughs> Zipchinski. The R is silent. Yes. I've been going Rep Repchinski for a while now, so that is good to know. I only we know could th- just call him Scrabble. I mean, yeah. yeah. I only know this because I'm... he just got married, and his. You know how everyone does a wedding hashtag now. His hash, his wedding hashtag. Apparently now, dude. <laughs> okay, well, everyone has a wedding hashtag now. You're very out of date if you don't have a wedding hashtag. That That's how people find your wedding on Instagram. Duh. Paxton's was. Which I want. Paxton's was happily ever Paxton. Uh, nice. I'm glad that you can, literally yes. you can recite that offhand. Duh. Wow. Uh, and Zepchinski's was Till Zep Do Us Part. Which Ooh, is, nice. Yeah, which I think, I mean, it, it really sucks if you don't have a name that uh, lends itself easily to one of, like, the three wedding cliches, right? <laughs> um, How did Paxton not go with something like Pax on Earth or, like, Pax Forever? Like, his name has, like, a word that means peace in it. Like, it, it should... Oh. That's his now, Christmas now I'm card, angry. John. Now I'm upset, yeah, I guess. Oh. <laughs> This is this is the rest of the podcast for me now. <laughs> um, people were maybe a little underwhelmed by the Zipchinski signing. I would say I was happy because he was what much like Smiley was my kind of ideal dream target in the pitching market, um, in the relief pitching market, and knowing that we needed a lefty and looking at who was available free agent wise, I like Zipchinski. I feel like he's he's maybe a loogie guy. He might not. Don't pitch him against righties, but he can get in there and get the job done. He's he's absolutely a solid player, and I'm I'm definitely glad to have him, especially in lieu of what we had last year. I think when we started the season, we had two lefties in the bullpen. I think we had Mimo and we had Vidal Nuno, mm-hmm. neither of whom are really traditional loogies um so having Zepchinski is good the only i think real issue i had was the contract right but, two years yeah um you know for more than brett anderson just signed for as a starter uh, so but in terms of again as a player that we have in our bullpen now he's a good player good and he's very very reliable And I think it's interesting, again, to just as far as like a window into Jerry's mind, he had this need. He wanted to fill the need. I think they were chasing Cecil, but they weren't going to pay what Cecil commanded. Um, So he's like, okay, I got to get the next guy on my list. And if I have to overpay slightly for him, so be it. I want that guy. And you got him. And it's, it's certainly more, if we think about it in a, if we didn't have him since, we're talking about 
a pretty solid bullpen that is going to be re- then relying on either Zach Curtis or James Pazos or some Ariel Miranda, Ariel Miranda <laughs> Paul Fry, you know, one yeah. of these yeah. extremely unproven guys. So at least having someone to start out there and injuries happen, you know, people get have ineffectiveness. We all thought Joaquin Benoit was going to be a solid lockdown back of the rota- or back of the bullpen piece last year. And we saw how that turned out, but at least going in with someone that looks fine is encouraging. Okay. Um, if we're talking about locks then in the bullpen, so we've talked about Diaz, Ciszek, Scribner, Zipchinski. Uh, the other probable lock is Nick Vincent. Um, oh boy. Yeah. Who's another? <laughs> I, I love Nick Vincent. I think. Do you? There... Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's, okay, so he's good, but I'm curious what engenders I mean, love. I, I, I want to know what the I, where the love. Comes I'm happy from. someone loves Nick Nick Vincent because there is a lid for every pot. It turns out, and there. So Jeff Sylvan had this article like a week ago yep. about the most unhittable fastball in baseball. Obviously, Aroldis Chapman number one because he's Aroldis a robot. Chapman, yeah. Uh, but Nick Vincent had the second most unhittable fastball in baseball, and that's crazy to me. Like he's he's a guy who's, who throws in the low 90s. His fastball doesn't have extreme movement on it, but he gets so many whiffs on it. And I he he got a bit unlucky. His home run rate was pretty elevated last year, but uh, yeah, I think he can be a, a really really good piece in the back of our bullpen. And we got him for free, right? Like that's, true. that's crazy. <laughs> uh, wasn't it also in the in that article they were saying it wasn't just 2016, like the past couple of years, like it wasn't yeah. just a, a one one time thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been for. Uh, let me pull up the article. I think it's it's been like the last five years or something like that. I mean, if you okay, had yeah, put a gun to my temple and asked me to name who on the Mariners <laughs> on the Mariners specifically in the bullpen. Who throws right-handed? If you if you ask with a beard, me, yes. If you ask me all of those things, I would be like, uh, does that weird goatee thing that Diaz has count as a beard? I don't. I would never get to Nick Vincent. Yeah. So that was that was an eye opener. Um, so yeah, it was unhittable fastballs in the pitch effects era. Yeah. You got Which Oldest is... Chapman, then Nick Vincent, Carl Edwards Jr., Darren O'Day, and so on. Just I, sometimes I wonder if Sullivan makes this stuff up to just like <laughs> fabricates just, it. Just to check if we're we're really paying like attention. Like if he's Truman showing us or something. I mean, because that. But anyway, so I felt like I was pretty sure Vincent was ticketed for the bullpen, pretty much a lock. Um, but that article really just just reinforced that that you know he he did have some of the. And I think a lot of his problems, especially with the long ball, were related. I know Ethan did a lot of work with this, related to just overuse. And he's very yeah. injury prone, is the one thing about Nick Vincent. I don't think he's had a healthy season, ever. I don't think he has ever had a healthy season. And it's a good thing that we have now Altavilla and Zick and Simmons and Fine and all of these people that any of them would have been useful to have last year and now we have all of them exactly yeah i mean beyond those guys i think altavilla is like a 
I have Altavilla penciled into the bullpen. I think there's no way you can... I, I think you got to see what he has and if he can continue to produce at this level. Also, Altavilla is a converted starter. and He can give you two innings if he has to. Uh, he can give you three innings. So far, we have Diaz, Ciszek, Vincent, Scribner, Zepp. I would pencil in Altavilla. I think it's really hard not to give him a spot. And then potentially, probably Miranda. You've got to have something else that's left-handed in there. Um, and then we've got we've got the pile. We've got Heston and Whalen, whatever goes on with them. We've got Simmons, Fine, Pazos, Curtis, Posey, Cody Martin, good old brave little toaster, <laughs> and Zick. And we know that C-Shack is going to miss some time. We know that Zick is going to miss some time. So that's going to that's going to cause them to have to be a little bit flexible. Um, is there anyone in the pile who particularly, if you had an extra spot to give away to any of these guys, um, who has kind of captured your heart? Who do you like? I got to go with Tony Zick. I, I think he, he flashed some really brilliant stuff in 2014 and 15, or sorry, in 2015. Uh, and it's just, it sucks that he's, he's been hurt for so, so many uh so much of his time um and I, I i really hope that he makes it back this year because i think he could be a really key piece yeah towards the back of the uh the bullpen i'm i'm in very intrigued by shea simmons um i it would be a long shot for me to say he's gonna be well i don't even know if it would be a long shot but i i'm not confident to say that he'll be in the bullpen to start the year but i very much could see him uh, along with Vieira coming up mid-season and having a really big role once they've sort of proven that they're back, they're healthy, and that um, and that they're ready to go. Because he has very exciting stuff. He's got really great movement on uh, his pitches, mm-hmm. and he's got the type of uh, ability to keep the ball out of the air that you love to see in a late uh, late game player and s- sort of a inverse version of what you talked about with Scribner where Scribner's great to start an inning. Simmons you can bring in and he'll he'll shut an inning down. Uh, or at least the the best version of Simmons. The healthy version of Simmons cuz that's yes, our big that's, right. that's our big question. Well exactly. you mentioned my favorite who is definitely Mr. Tiago Vieira. I if I had to pick one breakout candidate that is my choice because he is just, I think, poised to take a huge step forward. He's gotten tremendous amounts of help from Ethan Katz, the pitching coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the article that Divish did about him, just, I just, I'm really pulling for him. And I think he's, I think he's in a good place where he is, he is ready to maybe make that jump up. I, I guess they'll probably start him in double A, do you think, or triple A? I think they'll start him in AAA unless he has some real struggles uh, in spring training or something looks bad. Um, he's clearly he's he's clearly shown it. He's got the he's done really well in the Arizona League, and I think yeah, more than well. He set a record in the Arizona League for the most. I think he hit a hundred four a few times. <laughs> he did. He hit a hundred four a few times. It's just unreal. Yeah. Was, I mean, he is he is large. He's a very large man, um, and he is hardworking. In fact, I was just looking at an Instagram video that he posted 
Um, Vieira is Brazilian, and he does not maybe quite have the resources that, like, a Robbie Cano does. His workout videos are all, like, him on some dusty field throwing <laughs> at, like, a heavily graffitied wall. So, you know, it, it's sort of like a... It just makes me like him even more, I think, that he's kind of doing, like, this poor man's version of uh, what the major league guys are doing, you know, with their very expensive iron glens and whatnot. Working with, with bronze glen. <laughs> bronze glen. No, literally, there's a video. There's a video where there's a guy who's got a like a towel and he's wrapped it around Vieira, and Vieira's just dragging him around this field. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You need- you... Everyone needs a hype man. Everyone needs a towel guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's just like pulling. The guy's like skiing behind him, basically. <laughs> but, you know, he's, I mean, he's just pure power in the legs. And um, they've gotten him to add an extra pitch. And I think I think he could he could be devastating. He's, he's definitely the most exciting, I think, for the future for me. Um, I could certainly see him coming up. Later, you know, sort of a la Diaz, mm-hmm. Alta Villa later this season, mm-hmm. if that trajectory continues for him. Um, but regardless, I think he's got a lot. Of, he's something we should be excited about for the future. I think there. So there's there's one other name I want to bring up, and it, it was someone that Jerry brought up at the media luncheon today. It was uh, Zach Curtis. I think uh, mm. when you think about um, unheralded players that we've acquired this offseason, mm-hmm. Zach Curtis is right up there, and. His strikeout rates in the minor leagues are insane, uh, and I think he just needs yeah. a little bit of a, a little bit more experience, uh, maybe in AAA, um, just to get that his feet under him, and then uh, I think he could be a real asset as well as a lefty. Yeah, that's that's what I love—the lefty aspect of it. Well, let's wrap up with a couple questions that have to do with the bullpen specifically that we got sent and then we'll take another break and come back and do some more questions. Um, Dilla, uh, sorry. Brian Nielsen wants to know, can our bullpen be in the top seven in MLB this year? And that's related to a question we got from Don Varu, where he asked, what is the estimated total bullpen war this year versus last year? Um, and just for context last year, Fangraphs had us for 3.9 total, which was 15th in MLB. So very squarely middle of the road, despite featuring Yuel Peralta and Joaquin Benoit and recovering Drew Storen and Archimedes Caminero, the (laughs) wild ride of... Yeah, so what do you think? Can we make it, can we make a jump to the top seven or maybe even the top 10? Um, And what do you expect from the bullpen for war this year? That's a really hard question. Yeah. <laughs> Bullpens are they're just so, so volatile. volatile. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I I think we'll we'll I I have a pretty confident guess that we'll we'll exceed what we did last year. Um whether that's good enough to be top 7 bullpens in the in in the majors that's that's quite a jump. And you think about some of the bullpens, even in the American League, like the Yankees and the Indians and the Astros, mm. like those are some really, really good bullpens. Uh, and and we have some really, really intriguing pieces. We've got a lot of potential, but uh, yeah, top seven. That's, that's I think that's yeah. asking a lot. Yeah, I, I would be happy if we were like 10, 11, 12. 
in baseball, which would which would be in the top half of the American League, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. I don't think that's too much to ask considering all the depth that we have and. Yeah. Last year, forty-year-old uh, Joel Peralta <laughs> made twenty-six <laughs> appearances. Uh, which was more than Felix Hernandez made. So I am not quite sure if our bullpen is going to be top seven, but certainly it's going to be an improvement. Um, uh, yeah, there, there are some there's some really good bullpens, and I you know obviously we have Diaz, but there are a lot of teams that have really locked down people, uh, but they don't need to be top seven. They can if they're if they're in the middle of the pack or they're slightly above um, I think we're going to be in, in good shape alright well I think maybe we'll take a little break here and then we'll come back and answer some of your Twitter questions baby 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 I'm coming home to your tender sweet love you're my one and only one the world is a bit of taste in my mouth, girl, you're the only one that I want. Wanna be your Wanna be your girl. Wanna be your We're back. Now's the time on the podcast where we take your questions. Thank you, as always, to those of you who have sent them in. And please continue sending us more. Uh, so, first and foremost, and I think this is an interesting link to what we were just talking about, Joe Vieira wants to know, what remaining free agent reliever would you most like to see the Mariners sign? And why is it Charlie Furbush? <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe Furbush <laughs> will not pitch this year. Just to have uh, around. Just as like a... Can we give just him a, a buddy? Just hanging out. Can we give him the, just a job, like like just talking, <laughs> a talking job? But I do have a few names I'd like to to kick out. Um, sure. Obviously, I think we're going to be looking for a lefty. So uh, Boone Logan is the big. I think he's kind of the remaining prize on the on the free agent market. He his numbers look bad because he's been pitching in cores. But I mean, even at that, he's got like an 11 K9 and a three something FIP. I mean, he's he's solid. He's just going to be really expensive, I think. And we've already laid out a fair amount of money for Zipchinski. But man, would that guy not be loving life coming from Coors to pitch in <laughs> Safeco? I mean, yeah, okay. Bad part, you have to pitch against Mike Trout now. But good part. You'll never have, literally, never have to see cores. Well, except for that one series. <laughs> Don't we have we a road have. trip to yeah, I think We have one series yeah. against. Them. Oh yeah. But mostly, mostly no cores. Um, Travis Wood is out there still too. Oh, oh yeah, I, <laughs> I was gonna say Travis Wood, yeah. mainly because I just want to see him play in the outfield and then kind of <laughs> switch out and. Oh, that would be so, so fun. many fun tricks. Do we get to play the Cubs again? I would like to pull tricks against the Cubs. Ooh, yeah, nice. I don't know if we do. I will say I just today was realizing how angry I was that this is the year that we're ending our uh, rivalry with the Padres, apparently, uh, because what a terrible year to not play the Padres. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's oh. like gift wins. We need that vet, the better rivalry. Yeah. Um, Joe Blanton is mildly interesting to me. I 
really actively dislike him as a player. Um, why do ev- why does reasons- everybody hate Joe Blanton? What did Joe he, Blanton well, ever was, do? He was an A, and he was he really was good a. against the Mariners as an A. Uh, and then he just has – he's got a very punchable face. <laughs> uh, very important. Which is which is entirely his fault, and I hold him <laughs> responsible for it. So that certainly plays a role. Um, but he he does have a skill set that we could certainly use um, in terms of being able to be a long reliever as well as a starter. Um, and you know, obviously, we have Miranda, we have um, you know Heston and Waylon and all that, but. In terms of a proven player who has the ability to step in there, if the price was, you know, not in any way prohibitive, I, I would like to see him. Yeah, but, I mean, let's be honest. The price is probably – it's probably costly on Boone Logan. I think he made $5 million last year, something like that. Uh, Travis Wood is probably going to have a little bit of a Cubs inflated price, maybe, you think? Yeah, I mean, he had a pretty poor year last year, though. He did. Uh, gave up a lot of home runs, walked a lot of people, didn't strike out hardly anyone. Not yeah, great, Bob. Underwhelming UZR. Don't don't trust your eyes, also. <laughs> the, <it's just> a... <laughs> um, another name that's out there is J.P. Howell, who is a lefty uh, with a pretty decent K9, 7.8. Eh, this is fine. 2.7 uh, walks per nine is fine. 3.5 FIP is fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not excited about it. We already him, have a but... player named Fine. Oh. It's true. It's true. Um, we may have mentioned. <laughs> here's my dream signing. This is who I would love us to sign. I would love us to sign Aaron Barrett from the Nats, who would not help us as far as, like, players who are potentially have a weird injury history because he has had TJ. Um, and then while he was rehabbing from TJ, baseball is so mean sometimes, he suffered a freak <laughs> fracture to his elbow, which set him <sighs> back, and he had ankle surgery. So whatever. He's had a ton of problems. Um, the Nats tried to demote him to AAA, and he refused it. But he's got great mm. numbers. He's ten. Yeah, I just pulled up his his uh, Fangraphs profile, and it looks oh, nice. Oh man, ten K nine, two point two one FIP in twenty fifteen. He oh, wipeout slider, mid nineties fastball. I was just really taken by him, and um, it's looking like the Nats might try to re-sign him, and maybe he doesn't want to come to the American League, and you know, with free agents, you always have to sell them. But I think. I was surprised that I've not heard anything about him. I guess it's the injuries keeping him off of people's radar, but I, I'll be very curious about where he goes because those numbers are nice. Um, well, let's move on. Speechy McPeachy asks, how likely is it that O'Malley works his way into the starting rotation in 2017? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a bingo chart of, of positions on the field. Right? <laughs> He's, so he's got to get there at some point. He's our emergency catcher, I believe. Oh, nice. Um, I think my favorite O'Malley story remains that he was warming up because he was going to go pitch in the blowout against the Padres. 
And then we made, <laughs> remember? And then it was oh, the huge yeah. comeback oh, game. Man. He was in the hallway, like, warming up to go out and pitch. And then they mounted that huge comeback. And he had to go out and bat. <laughs> That's amazing. And he had the key hit that I think it either tied us up or it put us ahead. I can't remember. Uh, Romero tied us oh, up. I forget who oh. put us ahead. Hey. What a what a game, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild one. Oh boy. I don't know that we're ever gonna see another one like it. But no. Obviously O'Malley um, is too too valuable as our like little magical leprechaun who comes out and does <laughs> some amazing crazy thing. You can't overuse the magic though. Save some of that up. Alright, so Ben Kasperson wants to know who's the better mariner, Seeger or Beltre? That's such a tough question. That is such no, a tough question. No, it's not. I love it's Beltre. Seeger. No, it's, it's Seeger. Seeger. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I want to. Now I, now I want to. I thought we were just yeah, feeling bad no. about who was going to break the news. Now I want to hear you guys' outlandish claims. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, I'm leaning back. Let's let's hear it. Let's hear it, Jake and yeah, Jose. Explain yourself. My, my J friends. Let's go. Beltre is one of my favorite players. I sure. I just wish that he had been a Mariner longer than five years. I, he's a hu- future Hall of Famer. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Seager's gonna have a better career as a Mariner, and yeah, Seager. Well, yeah, he'll he'll just be a Mariner longer, so he's gonna accumulate all those stats with the Mariners. But I, I just loved Beltre. I think he got a, the short end of the stick. And actually, now that I look at the question, I I, I do want to change it because. They're asking, <laughs> well, no, leaving they're... Jake on his ship <laughs> to sink. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because they're asking who's the better Mariner. Yep. And Beltre's time in Seattle wasn't all that great. Yeah, that's um, true. I mean, if that's the question that they're asking, then obviously the answer is going to be Seeger. But in terms of a player that I really, really, really enjoy watching, um, in terms of his play and personality especially, yeah. I mean – Beltre has my heart. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and, and I think a lot of a lot of other people feel that way. But it, yeah, if the question is who is a better Mariner, obviously that answer is Seager. If you want to interpret it in the who more accurately represents the Seattle Mariners experience, oh. though, Ooh. you would, oh, yeah. you would bring it right back around to Beltre because Kyle Seager's sort of been the the outlier, right? He's been the prospect that was unheralded that came all the way up and actually worked. The unicorn. Adrian Beltre was sort of the hyped, you know, amazing super player that had a, a very solid time here, but never quite reached that same level of productivity and left to go re- re- reignite greatness elsewhere. All right, moving <sighs> on. Uh, Dylan Jenkins asks, what if the bad pitchers were good? What if we're all going to die? We are all going to die, Dylan, and it won't matter if the pitchers are good or bad. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> uh, ben, oh, I should really learn how to pronounce your name, Ben. Ben Thon? Thon? Uh, Thon. Is it Thon? Sure. <laughs> it's got to be really confident about yeah, I was it, say. and yes. that's what it is. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, we gotta, we'll have to figure out how to pronounce it pretty soon here. Um, ben wants to know, what does our ideal attending a game day look like as far as like transportation and pregame drinks and eats and weather? I mean, obviously, we all love to be at Safeco when the weather is nice because there's probably not any better place on earth. And also, it creeps oh, me out when the roof is closed. Feel like it gets very steamy in there. Uh, preferred seating, viewing area, post-game drinks and eats. All right, 
What do you think? What's the what's the perfect Safeco day? I can speak from actual experiences. Uh, not, I think I could, if, if if taking a lot of time, I could come up with a very lovely, classy experience that would be a much more pleasant representation of my life, <laughs> um, as opposed to what is most likely, which is uh, that we would drive, uh, park sort of next to the railroad tracks where you can get the free parking um, several blocks away. You walk um, to the gas station um, nearby where they sell um, a variety of excellent 22s and then play catch while drinking those in the gravel uh, before walking up to the game. Um, and it's a very sunny day. It's very nice. You're talking with all the other people that are walking by, playing catch with them. It's a good, fa- it's a good fun group experience. I have never... And it's very cheap. I have never <laughs> once had that experience. Never yeah. done that. Um, I thought for sure you would say the light rail because I so I was gonna say the light rail. I have only done it one time and it was amazing. It's it was so good, so nice. I, I we parked up on Capitol Hill, got drinks up there before the game, then took the light rail down to the stadium. Oh, it was perfect. And I yeah, I would totally recommend it. That's nice because Pioneer Square can be a little limited as far as if you want to have nice drinks and eats. Um, Go to All Stop. Yes, Allstadt is very nice. I usually Get take the sea line out of West Seattle and walk through Pioneer Square because I really enjoy that walk. Um, and in West Seattle, there's no light rail nearby. But if I lived near the light rail, I would definitely be doing that all the time because that is easy. I At Safeco, it is not a really fun time for me unless I have had some dirty tots somewhere in there. That is my <laughs> favorite of all the food at Safeco and obviously some cheap beers in the pen. And even though the pen can be a little unpleasant, I actually love to go on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday or, you know, some off day and stand in the pen and be able to have a little space and be able to see. And the pitchers are a little more chatty than I think. And they'll come over and kind of talk with you and I've had some good times laughing, laughing it up with Tom. Miss you, Tom. <laughs> Um, and other than that, I, I actually like the center field bleachers. I think it's nice to be able to kind of spread out and not be restricted to any one seat. And the view from there is pretty nice. You just can't see the big video board. So sure. I think, uh, my, if, if I'm, if I'm going on a budget, I think my preferred seating area is, is the left field bleachers or, the first baseline in the third deck, yes. especially on an yes. evening night, uh, because you get the, the is, huge vista of mm-hmm. the skyline and mm-hmm. the and the sunset, and mm-hmm. it's just there's there's no better view in Seattle, and it's yeah, it's amazing. And you can pay that like ten bucks for absolutely it. Absolutely, you pay yeah, ten exactly. bucks and you sit there the whole time. It's amazing. Oh. We. I was there in those exact seats for the Thunderstruck game, and oh, that was yeah, like, nice. it was the most absurd experience. Just no, oh, I I will forever love those seats. I agree. Hey, fireworks games are really fun too. Like, oh yeah, I, I was always like meh fireworks games, but then I went to a couple, and then, I mean it's just it's such a special experience. Oh man, I can't believe it's January. <laughs> it's so sad right now. All right, we got to move oh. on. Um, Whiskey Rick, 
Will any of our who is I've met, and he's a lovely Scottish lad with a nice Ooh. Scottish accent. So I feel like I should read this in a Scottish accent, except that would be super. I don't have a Scottish <laughs> accent. Probably actually be very very deeply offensive to him. So will any of our projected starting five pitch two hundred plus innings? Mm. Yes. Yes. No. I agree. No. Who? All right. Okay. Who? An even split. Um, I think James Paxton. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's. And yeah. I think Felix Hernandez. Ooh. I also think Felix Hernandez. I like it. I mean, I like. I like. I like it. I like it. I want to believe it. The Paxton pick is a bold one. Yeah. He pitched one. I love that. I love it. He pitched one seventy last year, right between Tacoma and. Uh, Yep. And as Jerry is quick to remind us when people are asking mm-hmm. questions about his durability. We're, we're, we're pretty safe in assuming he's going to be the number two starter, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He's, so yep. he's going to be, he's going to be getting the roles. Yeah. He's going to be getting the rounds in the rotation. Yep. All right. He, he mentioned gonna... in the, uh, the media luncheon today that he is looking to make a significant jump in innings this year. So mm-hmm. nice. the whole thing is if he can stay healthy, by all means, go for it. I yeah. I love all the iterations of Jerry, but I think protective mama bear Jerry might be my favorite <laughs> so far. Don't you talk about my pictures like that. Like, I love like defensive out there slugging away for his guys, Jerry. Uh, all right, King Felix SP asks, if you had to be a beer style, what would you be? Uh, Bellingham's got a great selection of beers. My favorite is the uh, Chuckanut uh, Kolsch. <gasps> I love that. Ooh. And uh, so if if I had to be a beer style, it'd be a Kolsch or or really any good German beer. Interesting. Uh, what's that one that has the Franz's Connor? I would want to be Franz's Connor because I, it's got all the fun banana, clove, nutmeg. Mm. So it's like seemingly nice, but it will knock you on your ass. <laughs> very much like me. I am nice until you cross me. I think I might go with a triple. Uh, Ooh, nice because, beer. Yeah, it's it's sort of a, a usually a stronger beer, which is what I yes. like. And, and, and as what you a are. larger human. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, rarely has it been strength so much as just general uh, mass, but uh, it's worked out for me. And... Uh, they're they're a sweeter beer. They're they're sort of pleasant to drink, which I aim to be uh, in general. You so. are extremely yeah. pleasant. Aww. All right, Chris K, who you maybe know as I Miss Munanori, except he's not anymore now. He's Chris from Bothell. Uh, he has not a question, but an assertion. There's no reason for a position player to be called in to pitch in a blowout this season. Hashtag season of one thousand pitchers. Do you agree I with I vehemently this? disagree. Whoa! <laughs> I, I'm, I Why would you deny us the joy of Jesus Sucre <laughs> pitching for the Seattle Mariners? Absolutely. Or, or even like Luis uh, Sardinius. Sardinius. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was, Gotta have a couple so of those out in the season. Similarly, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, John Boyce's YouTube series, Pretty Good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the first one is a video about... Um, a relief pitcher who comes up to bat against Randy Johnson, and he essentially asserts that 
the entire purpose of baseball in his eyes is to make pitchers hit. Um, <laughs> and I would extend that to the alter, the inverse, which the other uh, purpose of baseball is to make position players pitch uh, because it is absurd and fun. And, and everyone and loves when it. When you're in the doldrums of like, the middle of August, <laughs> Why not? what is better than watching Jesus Sucre pitch an inning exactly. in the middle of a blowout? Like, exactly. It's just, exactly. It's joy. I mean, I like, uh, as long as we're doing the blowing out, I guess... Like if we were up eighteen to four or something, I get almost equal joy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's it's on both sides. Yeah. When you're watching a horrible game and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe we're getting beat this badly. Sort of the only redeeming joy is being able to see the position player get trotted out. So. Mm-hmm. so that's it's fair. like when a bad movie becomes like a comically bad movie like it, <laughs> like it turns it from from something really boring into like watching the room like it, it, it it's sort of the turning point in which okay now i can laugh at this because it, it doesn't matter yeah. and yeah. nothing matters that's true all right next question from josh cow which garfield high school product is most likely to pitch in the majors <laughs> troop dog g bronze or himself, Josh, and I just made up those nicknames. He did. He actually referred to you by your proper names. Um, well, I, I think my my sort of ship may have <laughs> sailed. <laughs> Certainly, I've still got a little bit of projectability, but I think I peaked with a like very vague offer to play minor league baseball in Australia that was well you say ooh but (laughs) for for so many reasons I have a lot of skepticism um, about the offer but um, Josh is young he's got a lot of projectability he's lanky he he could be a very whippy player Um, he has certainly the potential in him Uh, but I am going to say Grant Bronston uh, because no one I have ever met has thrown better batting practice than Grant Bronson, and I think uh, I could see him one day out there at the Home Run Derby uh, uh, pumping him in to nice. some young man. So mm. he's he's probably the most likely to get in get in there, backdoor nice. him his way in. Nice choice, very clever. All right, so finally, Big Friendly Brian wants to know. Being friendly, Brian's question is not so friendly. What faith do you have in Jerry Depoto building a starting rotation after 2015's offseason pickups in Miley and Carnes disappointed so much? Tough question. Fair question. What do you think? It wasn't so much that the process was bad in picking up Miley and Carnes. I mean, we talked, Jake, you mentioned a little bit earlier how it was a little bit frustrating that Mm -hmm. Carson Smith was sold for what felt like a somewhat uninspired return. But, you know, Wade Miley was a pitcher that was, should have had a decent enough season that should have been able to go out there and throw 180 innings. And Carnes was a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy who... You, everyone saw the potential in him, and some people thought he was worth it, and some people thought he wasn't. And that's kind of, you know, it's kind of how you have to make acquisitions. So it wasn't that they were bad choices. They just definitely didn't work out. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about right at the top of the uh, podcast, right, about about process and, and mm-hmm. building a culture in the, in the organization. And, mm-hmm. and, and if it's true that Miley and Carnes didn't buy into what Jerry was selling, mm-hmm. 
I mean, there's only so much you can do at that right. point. Like, uh, yeah, I, I agree. There, I think the the process, the even even heading into the season, I, I was a huge fan of Miley. I thought he was a great pickup, but mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes things just don't work out, and and that's just the reality of baseball. And yeah, I uh, mean, one yeah. of the things about trading for these guys is it's not like a free agent where you can pick up pick up the phone and have a conversation with him. You're kind of just working off of what you've seen and what you've scouted and what people have told you you can't i mean there are tampering rules right you can't like directly contact a guy if you are in another Mm -hmm. right so you know you can't and it's a little like buying a pig in a poke and then you you get them (laughs) as we all have done (laughs) (laughs) that's a saying that's like a genuine that's a thing people say a pig in a poke what's a what's a poke it's like a bag it's a bag. Why are you buying a pig in a bag? I don't know. <laughs> Why is a pig in a I bag? I don't know. This is an inhumane <laughs> sales operation that you are furnishing. I mean, the idea is you, have a lot of you questions. don't know what you've gotten until you open the bag. The Better Business Bureau. <laughs> All right. I'm going to look up the history of this saying. Uh, <laughs> it's just 20 minutes niche. just on idioms just just it's idiom hour and a half with... shut up i would totally do that um, i would too that would be a great podcast let's really do cool. that so okay you don't know what you're getting is the upshot of that like you you hope that it's what you signed up for, but it also might not be. And I think you don't know that a guy is not going to commit to the defensive shift until you get him out there. And you don't know that a guy is going to have a tantrum about going to the bullpen until you get him out there. And um, I am a big fan of the good process, even if it yields poor results. Right. Because... Yeah, and with pitching, it's just so... <laughs> like, pitching is so unpredictable, right? Like... You just you're dealing with injuries you're dealing with just it's it's like it's the most unnatural motion a human body can make yeah. so like <laughs> i mean with pitchers you're just kind of hoping and praying that they're they're just gonna work out and and for some pitchers you're 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 more confident that 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 they're gonna work out and for others you're not and yeah I, yeah i agree that the the process was there it was good it was solid and I think, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see if uh, 2017 is uh, going to reward that process. Oh, okay, so apparently the pig in a poke is they would, <laughs> yes. they would sell the bag, sold unopened, and then when the buyer, unsuspecting buyer, opened it up to get their delicious suckling pig as dinner, the bag would actually have a cat or a dog. Which, according to Wikipedia, was substantially <laughs> less valuable as a source of meat. <laughs> Thanks, Wikipedia. I thought this was—I thought this was some like Godfather level, like con, where it was like the horse's head just in the bag. Like we know what you did. Well, just yeah. it's uh, it's French, so maybe that explains the origin of it is French. So take it up with the French. I will not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that that is all the questions that we have this week. Again, we thank those of you who have sent us questions and ask for your questions and also, as always, your name suggestions. Keep those coming. 
And uh, thank you for sticking with us. We know that these have run a little long, but now I think we have laid down the off-season transactions, the projected lineup, and the rotation in the bullpen. So with that, we should be able to kind of move forward from here. And pretty soon it's going to be real baseball time, and we're going to be talking about real spring training games. Yes. So excited. So excited. Yeah. Can't wait. I think we're down to 19 days from the date we're recording this podcast. I think we're down to 19 days to pitchers and catchers. So by the time you hear this, listener, it will be substantially less. So just hang in there, everybody. Baseball's coming. Uh, Thank you very much to Jake and John for joining us tonight. And thank you to you, listener, for listening to us. We will catch you next time on the Lookout Landing Podcast. Thank you.